to our Facebook and YouTube audience. We appreciate you. For those in the auditorium, if you did not pick up a study guide as you came in either that door or that door, uh, please do that. They're on the uh, podiums by those sets of doors. Appreciate that so very much. Now, I'm going to show you the logo. Here it comes. We're getting ready pretty soon to start a new study in Genesis. I call it Genesis New Beginnings. This is one of the three logos uh, for that particular class. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, I don't think I've ever really written anything noteworthy until this. This is the first thing that I'm really proud of. Uh, this study right here is going to open up your mind uh, to understanding God even better. And by the way, we're going to see the imprint of Jesus all through the book of Genesis. So we'll be starting that pretty soon. Uh, that's coming up after we finish the final week. We're up to story number 155, so look at your study guide, number 155. We are now on Friday, our Friday, early morning. We have completed already the trials before the Jewish leaders, the three, the one before Annas, the one before Caiaphas or Caiaphas, and then the one before the Sanhedrin. We are really not sure when the suicide of Judas Iscariot takes place. Uh, we're not for sure. Uh, Matthew will uh, note it here in Matthew chapter 27. Uh, it's going to be um, there in contrast to what's happening to Jesus. So we're not sure of the timing of this event. The return coins are used to purchase a field where Judas is hung, where he hangs himself. And by tradition, this field was on the south side of the city, overlooking the valley of Hinnom, also known as Gehenna. Let's go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned. Now, as we looked at Judas, going back to the beginning of this study, back on story number 143, why did Judas do what he did? We, we don't know for sure. There's a lot of different theories. But now Judas looks at what he has done, and he realizes that he, he's condemned. He was remorseful. Now, Peter was remorseful for denying the Lord. Peter, though, different from Judas, Peter will repent and serve again. Judas will hang himself. He was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. It's not our problem. You take, you take care of it. You handle it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Over in Acts chapter 1, Peter will talk about how that uh, uh, 
when he was hanging from that tree, uh, most likely uh, it looks like maybe the limb broke and he fell and even his insides just burst out. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them in the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and brought, bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. This was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Another prophecy fulfilled. Did they say, well, we got to do this because prophet Jeremiah said we got to do it. No, they didn't do that. But in their actions, they are fulfilling prophecy. Here's a prophecy. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Judas had potential. Judas had been one of the twelve selected. But Judas let his heart be open to Satan. And when you open up your heart to Satan, bad things can happen. And certainly bad things happen here to Judas. Now, uh, where was this field of blood? It says it was in the valley of Hinnon. So let's look at that. The valley of Hinnon right there on the south side of the city. Uh, it is a, definitely a valley. As I said, I've been there. Uh, it was the, um, uh, also used somewhat as a garbage area for trash. Uh, not a very prime area at all. And that's where... Judas. That's where he hung himself. That's where he ended up. I remember, I remember one time uh, being called by the funeral home. There was a, a body, a person had died in the city in Perigal, and they had sent the body to Little Rock for identification. Little Rock could not identify him. Little Rock said, we don't know who this person is. We have no way to identify him. They sent the body back to Perigul. He was in a um, card, cardboard box, a simple cardboard box. And the funeral home asked me, would you come out and just say a few words? We had no idea what his name was. They buried him in what the city of Perigul calls Potter's Field. Potter's Field is a part of the cemetery that nobody wants to be buried. It's a part of the cemetery that goes like this. It's inclined. Nobody wants to be buried there. So they bury poor people there who can't pay. And we buried him in a cardboard box in Potter's Field. Judas hangs himself. He could have repented, but he chose not to. He chose to end his life. Next up is the trial before Pilate. That's recorded in Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John chapter 18. Now, where is this happening? Where is this taking place? Well, let's go back. Let's go back to that map. Uh, it could be several places. We know it was the Praetorium. 
But that really doesn't help us because as we said, the praetorium is wherever the commander is, wherever the Roman authority is, wherever the Roman dignitary is. It could be a tent in the battlefield. It could be a palace. It could be whatever. So uh, it could, he could be over here in the Antonio Fortress. But that was cold, damp, and not very nice. I can't picture Pilate going there because that was not a really nice place to be, okay? So if he's not in the Antonio Fortress, which was attached to the Temple Mount, where could he be? Well, he could have chosen uh, maybe Herod's palace. This is the Hasmonean palace, but it's a small palace. I would think that he would choose the biggest palace, the greatest palace. He would probably choose Herod the Great's palace right here. So we have probably the high priest, the trials going on right there with the high priest. When those trials are over, they next go to Pilate. <sighs> Who was Pilate? Well, we say that he was the governor. Technically, the governor was in Syria. Uh, the people would call him governor, and he liked that title. Actually, he was what we call a proctorator, okay? Uh, he would be the proctorator or the prefect. That would be a more suitable title according to the Romans, but the common people, would, they would call him the governor. Now, what do we know about Pilate? Well, we know his encounter with Jesus. The only other thing we know from the Bible about Pilate is found in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Now there were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So it looks like Pilate had, uh, had murdered some people as they were sacrificing. Does that sound like the God that history talks about? So let's for just a moment step away from the Bible. Let's step over to history. What does history tell us about Pilate? Well, history tells us a lot about Pilate. And it's not very good, okay? It's not very good. First off, we think he was born in Seville, Spain. That's where he grew up. He joined the Roman legion. Now, his family had a little bit of money, so uh, he walked right into being an officer. He's not just a, a plain enlisted man. He joined the, what we would call today the cavalry that made up the Germanicus legion. Roman legions uh, usually either had a name or a number or sometimes both. This was the Germanicus legion. They were called that because they most often fought around the Rhine Valley. They were in the northern part of the Roman Empire. Now, Pilate eventually got down to Rome. And at Rome, he met a young lady, okay? Her name, her name was Claudia Procula. Claudia. Now, she was the granddaughter of the emperor. Augustus, and they kind of hit it off. So he ends up marrying the granddaughter of the emperor. 
Now you would think, well, that just, that's right there. It's just a, that's just an easy road into a good job. Yes and no. Because Claudia actually was the daughter of Julia. That was uh, Augustus's daughter. And he was extremely ashamed of her, okay? She was, if you look at history, she was a very depraved person. Uh, Augustus said, I wish Julia had never been born. Can you imagine a father saying that about his own child? He said, I wish Julia had never been born. She was a, well, she was a stinker, okay? You, you read about the things that Nero did, all the depraved things that Nero did. Nero was actually copying Julia, okay? So he, Pilate ends up marrying the daughter of Julia. So Augustus says, okay, I'll give you a, a, a place to rule. I'll give you a, a position I'm going to give you what the Jews called Judea. They called Palestine. I'll give you that. That was the worst place to be given, okay? Because what do the Jews do? They're always fussing and, and, and fighting and complaining and they're hard to please and, and they're always, you know, they're just difficult people. And that's the people that Pilate inherits. Now, when he becomes the prefect, the procurator, or as the common people called him, a governor, he made some blunders. Number one, when the first time he visited Jerusalem, he did not cover, he did not cover the Roman staff. The, the soldiers would carry a staff, and, and on that staff was their idols, you know, their, their images. And previous commanders had always covered up with uh, cloth so that they would not insult the Jewish people. Pilate said, I'm not going to do that. I'm married to the emperor's granddaughter. I'm not going to do that. Well, you know what the Jewish people did? They wrote back to Caesar. They, they complained to Caesar. And then Pilate, you know, the city of Jerusalem is growing. We need a better source of water. He said, we need to build a new aqueduct to bring water into the city. I'll just take the money out of the temple. The Jewish people didn't like that. Once again, they complained. And remember Archelaus? Remember we talked about Archelaus? Herod the great son that inherited Jerusalem, he got, he got kicked out of his throne because why the people kept on complaining. Then on top of it, when they got all that complaining, Pilate had his soldiers to go undercover, you know, cover up their, uh, their uh, uniforms and go out and they actually ended up killing a bunch of people. Okay? That, once again, got a lot of complaints. So Pilate is kind of, he's kind of painted himself into a corner. He's kind of painted himself into a corner and, and you know, just one more thing and he's going to be in trouble. When he was taken off the throne, when he was removed from his position, he was banished to Gaul. Where's Gaul? That's France. Okay, that's France. You know, whatever happens, if you've got someone you're going to banish, you're going to banish them to Gaul. You're going to banish them to France because the Italians did not like the French. They banished Herod Antipas there. 
they banished Pilate there. According to history, he, he took his life in Gaul. But let's now look at this trial. Let's first look at Matthew's account, then we're going to go to John's account. Let's look at Matthew. In verse 1, in verse 2, he's taken to Pilate. Remember the three accusations that we talked about Wednesday night? Because the Jewish trials, their accusation was blasphemy. He's, blasph he's blasphemous. He's blasphemy. He's, blasphemy. He's, he's going against God. He's called himself God. But that was not a charge that they could take to Pilate. Because Pilate had no interest in what their rules were about their God. So they have three accusations. One, he subverts the nation. He's causing riots. Number two, he's interrupting the taxes, trying to get us not to pay taxes to you. And number three, he's called himself a king. Now those were three legitimate Roman accusations. Jesus was innocent of all three, as we'll find out. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Well, just like you, you're saying. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Now, Pilate was used to Folks brought to him uh, being very defensive. You know, hey, well, I didn't do that. They're wrong. They're lying. Uh, uh, they got the story all wrong. He was used to people defending themselves. Jesus did not defend himself at all. No need to. He's innocent. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? They've got three main charges against you. But he answered him not one word. So the governor marveled greatly. Go to John. John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas or Caiaphas, whatever you prefer, to the praetorium, and it was early morning. Remember, this is what we would call Friday morning. Friday morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but they might eat the Passover. Now, we've already talked about the Galilean Passover as compared to the Jerusalem Passover. We understand the difference right there, okay? Jesus had already had Passover with his disciples, Galileans. This is the Jerusalem Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Well, uh, they answered and said to him, Well, uh, 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 if, if, if he were not an evildoer, uh, we would not have delivered him up to you. You know, we, <laughs> if he was not an evil person, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be bothering you. Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That's right. As we've already said, there was that one exception 
You know those big signs that I showed you that was there at the Temple Mount? If you go past this line, if you're a Gentile, go past this line, guess what? You're going to die. The Romans kind of turned a blind eye to that and said, okay, if you have someone that does that, we'll kind of turn a blind eye. We won't, you know, we won't say anything about it. But anything else, we're the ones who call the shots. That's what the Romans said. So they say, well, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. The Jews want him to be crucified. They want to make a public statement to their fellow Jews. They, want, they don't want him to be stoned. They don't want him to die any other way except crucifixion. They want the public shame because Jesus has got some followers. Remember all those Galileans outside the city waiting to come into the city for, for the festival, for the feast? Then Pilate entered the praetorium again. He called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Remember that question as Matthew recorded it? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Are you doing this because of your own knowledge, or did someone else say that? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? What exactly have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. So, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Are you really a king? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. By the way, the word rightly is added by translators. It's actually not in the text. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hear, hears my voice. Now, this is Pilate's opportunity. The only reason why we really know Pilate is because of his encounter with Jesus. Pilate was insignificant. You know, not a lot of history written about him. Very limited. Pilate is known only because of his encounter with Jesus. Pilate said to him, What is truth? You talk about truth, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. In this story of Pilate, Pilate will repeatedly say, He is innocent. I find no fault in him. See, Pilate is in a corner. He doesn't really want to kill Jesus. But remember, he's made all those mistakes. He's made all those mistakes. And his position is really dicey. So what happens? He comes to understand, hey, Jesus is from Galilee. Hey, I've got the Galilean guy here. 
the guy in charge of Galilee. I've got Herod Antipas here. Let's send him over. Let's just, I'm going to, you know, let me kind of wipe my hands of this and, you know, let's just kind of pass the buck over to Herod Antipas. Luke chapter 23. Now, who was this Herod? This was one of the three sons of Herod the Great that had inherited Herod the Great's kingdom. He ends up, him and Philip. Now, keep in mind, there's two Herod Philips, okay? Two Herod Philips. Him and Herod Philip end up ruling the longest. Their, their brother, Archelaus, only ruled for 10 years. As I said, the Jerusalem Jews kept on complaining, complaining, complaining. And Rome, didn't like, Rome doesn't like complaints. You know. don't, we don't want complaints. We want everything to go smoothly. So they removed Archelaus and installed a Roman proctorator, a Roman prefect. Herod Antipas was one of those three brothers that inherited Herod the Great's kingdom. He ruled over Galilee. Philip ruled, Philip, Philip ruled the northwest portion, uh, north, excuse me, northeast portion of uh, Herod the Great's kingdom. So he has essentially the Galilee and Perea. He was the guy that had the encounter with John the Baptist. Why? Because he had married his brother's wife. Now, he married the other Philip. Remember, there's two Herod Philips. He married the other Herod Philip's wife, kind of took her away from him, married her. And John the Baptist said, uh-uh, that's wrong. You can't do that. That woman didn't like that. That woman didn't like that. And she plotted to eventually get the head of John the Baptist. So uh, he had had some encounters with uh, this movement. He'd had encounters with the, uh, with the forerunner of Jesus. Remember what Jesus said about, uh, about Herod here in John? He said, well, that old fox, he called him a fox. He's underhanded, tricky, deceitful. Jesus will go to Herod. Let's read about this. Luke chapter 23, verse 6. When Pilate heard of Galilee, hey, this guy's from Galilee. This Jesus guy's from Galilee. He asked if the man, if the man was a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's, well, he belongs to Herod. That's Herod's uh, uh, territory up there. He sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Remember that picture there, the map? And we, I showed you that Hasmonean palace. That's probably where Herod was. A smaller palace, not as great as the palace that probably Pilate is staying at. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he desired for a long time to see him. He's heard about it, you know. Jesus operated in Galilee. Jesus operated in his backyard, and he heard all the miracles. He wants to see these miracles. He had longed for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. What's he wanting? He, he's wanting a, 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 a show. You know, he, he's wanting a dog and pony show. Hey, go ahead, Jesus, perform for me. I want to see some miracles. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and what? They're accusing him. Je they're accusing Jesus. You know, they're just, they're, they're just, you know, talking him down. 
Then Herod with his men of war treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. Herod wants to show Jesus won't comply because it's important that both Jewish and Gentile be involved in this crucifixion. It's important to have everybody represented because Jesus will be taking all of our sins, not just the Jewish sins, but everybody's sins to the cross. So he returns back to Pilate. And what's Pilate going to do? Let's look at John chapter 19. Actually, let's start in John 18, 18 verse 39. He's got a problem. What to do? What, how can I get out of this? Is there a, is there a loophole? You know, Pilate is looking for a loophole. Can I get out of this mess and not have it come back to me and cause me problems back in Rome? So he remembers the custom. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release you to the king of the Jews? Remember what Matthew told, or what Matthew reveals? Matthew reveals that Claudia, remember Pilate's wife? Pilate's wife went to Pilate and said, you don't have anything to do with this good man, this just man. I've had a dream about him. You don't have anything to do with him. So Pilate is looking for a loophole. Is there a loophole? Maybe I can get out of this. They all cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. What does the name Barabbas mean? Literally, it means son of a father. Look at the name. Barabbas, B-A-R, means son of. Abba means father. Barabbas' name means son of a father. Do you want son of a father release, or do you want the son of the father release? Do you want the son of a or the son of the father release? Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas may have been arrested along with the two other criminals that will end up at Golgotha. I don't know. It's possible. All three were criminals. All three were bad men. Do you want this bad guy released? Or do you want Jesus released? Now remember, where is the supporters of Jesus? It's early morning, really early morning, where are those Galilean Jews? They're outside the city. They're outside the city in their little tents, uh, in their little villages, waiting to come into the city that day for the feast. All we have primarily are going to be the Jerusalem Jews. And primarily it's going to be the crowd that the Sanhedrin had rounded up. They had rounded up their supporters. So... They asked for Barabbas to be released. 
Because the friends of Jesus are still probably getting up right about now. They haven't had breakfast yet. Pilate still, he doesn't want to do it. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Now, these thorns, the thorns over there are massive. They're big. This would hurt. I can imagine blood coming down the head of Jesus. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know what? Once again, I find no fault in him. Pilate is hoping, well, if I beat him up a little bit, if I make him look really bad, these Jewish leaders in the crowd we will say, well, yeah, he's, he's, well, he's paid the price. He's paid the price and we'll just kind of, we'll accept that for uh, enough punishment. Because remember, that crown of the thorn, the blood. You know, if you ever get a, you know, a, a cut, you know, the blood just rushes out. You know, you're, pretty soon you're just covered with blood. You, you can picture Jesus, you know, he's been beaten up. He's got that crown of thorn. There's probably blood all over him. And Pilate is hoping maybe this will pacify them. Maybe this will pacify their thirst for action. Does it? No. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priest and officer saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him. For what? What now? What does it say? For I find no fault in him. That's the third one. Okay. Now we've got five minutes. We're going to stop right there. We've got about five minutes to go in class. Let me see if we have any questions that have been sent in. Uh, No questions. You've got five minutes to get your questions in. I find no fault in him. Third time, Pilate has said, he's innocent. He's innocent. Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now, finally, they speak the truth. They had made up their three accusations, but here's what really they don't like. Okay, Pilate, we'll be honest with you. We'll tell you what we really don't like. He has made himself into being equal to God, the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again in the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. You know, the Romans had copied the Greeks. Rome was not very original. Rome was a powerful army. They were good builders. They built a lot, but they were not very creative. They copied the Greeks. They copied the Greeks' religions. Remember mythology? Remember the gods? Gods with a little g? What happened to those gods? They came down to earth. They had interaction with people. Pilate is saying, oh no. Is it possible that I'm, 
that I'm talking to one of the gods? Is, is this possible? Where are you from? Are you from Mount Olympus? Exactly where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has a greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Hey, we're going to write to Caesar. We're going to complain. We're going to gripe. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate heard, therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. If you go to Jerusalem today, they'll show you where this possibly could have been. Close by, there's an area there. You can see where the Roman soldiers often would play a game. They engraved it into the stone there. And it was preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. Now we know, okay, John tells us. John is using a Roman clock. Now we know what time it is. It's 6 a.m., approximately 6 a.m. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, Can't believe it. We have no king but Caesar. God-fearing, God-believing Jews would say something like that. We have no king but Caesar. Who is the real king? God. Jesus the Lord. He delivered them to be crucified, then they took Jesus and led him away. You see, Pilate... Pilate painted himself in that corner and didn't know how to get out of it. Now, coming up, Lord's willing, on Wednesday, we're going to look at story number 156. So we'll be looking at the way to Golgotha, what happens on the way to Golgotha. Uh, also, we'll talk more about the details of that, uh, of that activity out at Golgotha, what really happened there. We'll talk about where Golgotha could be. Uh, and, and then finally... We will then talk about crucifixion. That's coming up, Lord willing, on Wednesday night. Thank you so much. Uh, you've been a great class. I appreciate you. Uh, let me check real quick again, make sure there's no questions. Nobody sent questions in. You are dismissed. <laughs>